1: Hello, Dennis. Hello, Chris. Hello, Dennis. Hello, Jesse.
0: Hello. I want to talk about the Triduum. Dun, 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 dun. Do you know why we call it the Triduum? (laughs) Because before I was here, we put an ad on- A radio uh, station. Prominent Catholic radio station. And And they didn't let me review the the recording, and they started advertising our conference (laughs) called the Treasures of the Triduum. (laughs) Treasures of the Triduum. (laughs) I didn't know that. And it went all through the Catholic sphere. Come to the Liturgical Institute for the Treasures of the Triduum. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. So actually it was That's Katie funny.
0: Thornton who heard it first and brought it to our attention. All
1: right. Well, since you brought it up. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about uh, Holy Week, Triduum, Easter uh, many times in the past, but I've been giving a couple of talks uh, this Lent and there's just some... Random things that I think uh, are often overlooked that I thought I would uh, throw out for your uh, consideration and edification. Yes, throw it out, Chris. So, no, well, they they do kind of go chronologically. Some of these are, uh, I don't know, sort of uh, trivial. they may or may not change your uh, uh, participation in the Triduum or not, but uh, oh, things that I think are interesting that you won't encounter any other time of year. Don't sell yourself short, Chris. I <laughs> expect this to change my life. Okay. So I have 10, but you I just thought of 11. This one will go to 11 because what is if it's not Triduum, what
0: is it and what does it mean? Uh, Triduum, it means uh, three days, right? All right, and when do, what, what are the three days? And it's its own liturgical season, you taught me. It is,
1: it is. What are the three days? Holy,
0: Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday. Can you skip? Holy you Saturday. Skip one? Well, Easter, Easter Vigil. Okay, so Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh, so it sounds like more than three days. Is Sunday actually the beginning of the Easter season, or is it the last day of the Triduum? No, it's the last day. So the Triduum
1: begins with the Mass of the Lord's Supper and ends with evening prayer on Easter Sunday. Okay. So if you start on Thursday evening, you go Friday evening, Saturday evening, oh. Sunday evening.
0: So Easter season doesn't really begin till Easter Monday, huh? Uh, that that's uh, that's what the texts say. So Easter's not I in the Easter already. season. That's crazy. Yeah. Who knew? What are All the right. chances? I'm already. All right. So
1: we're learning stuff already. already okay. So there's number one. Okay. Do you guys know when uh, the crosses are covered in the church?
0: Yeah. <laughs> right, right before Holy Thursday, right? Nope. It's that Sunday that has the reading that says Jesus slipped from their midst and disappeared. Which Sunday? Uh, it has getting, a name. I forget the name getting of it. Though. closer. Okay,
1: it used to be called Passion Sunday. The fifth Sunday of Lent was called... Passion Sunday, and it began Passion Tide. Now, Paul, uh, Pius XII, and then John twenty third, and then Paul the sixth. a lot of this got changed. And so there's no such thing as uh, Passion Sunday anymore or Passion Tide. Now it's called the Fifth Sunday of Lent. And the Fifth Sunday of Lent used to be called Passion Tide. And the gospel reading, Dennis, yes. was about... Jesus mixing it up with the uh, scribes and Pharisees, and they wanted to arrest him. But what did he do? He disappeared from their midst. He slipped. And what did he do when he disappeared? He went and hid himself. Oh, yeah. And I, I've heard, I've read lots of things about why they cover the statues, but I don't think I've read any two that agree.
0: <laughs> no, not,
1: not that I'm sitting around all day, you know, researching this. But one of them that was suggested to me that sounds as good as any explanation is Jesus went and hid himself on the fifth Sunday of Lent or Passion Sunday, and it's from this Sunday, the beginning of the fifth Sunday of Lent, when the images get covered. And it's associated, at least to some degree, with Jesus hiding himself.
0: Which, even if that hadn't been a biblical correspondence, because two or the three-year cycle, that's not the reading anymore, right? So, I think. So, only every third year would would actually be read on Sunday.
1: Yeah. Am I correct? Yeah, I think you're right. That's not the, uh, I have to admit, I don't know what the gospel reading is for the fifth Sunday of Lent. But I don't think it's that one any longer about Jesus going and hiding himself in the gospel of
0: John. But there is a kind of Lenten quality to sort of even giving up looking at the beauty of your statues and the beauty of your crucifix and waiting for them to come back. Fasting from beauty? Yeah, yeah,
1: I, I hear that. I hear that often. Yeah, and so the, the crosses are to remain covered until after the Lord's Passion on Good Friday and images to be remain covered until the beginning of the Easter Vigil.
0: I, I believe in fasting from beauty, so I put a cloth <laughs> over my my wife's face.
1: That was your nickname at college, wasn't it? Fasting <laughs>
0: from beauty. <laughs> oh. Chris, you know me. There's nothing fast Ooh. about me and <laughs> nothing beautiful. Either. There you go. <laughs> That's not true. Anyways, so so. I, yeah, I have a I have a face for ad orientum, You know what I mean. <laughs> so Chris,
1: let's we'll just, is, yeah. Is it required
0: to cover the images, or is it just an option?
1: No, I think it's an option. It used to be in the old sacramentary. It's, it would say, if the conference of bishop decides, then the. Uh, the crosses can be covered. Well, and the bishops never decided until the third edition of the Roman Missal. It said the, the, the U S bishops conference has determined that it's at least possible. It's not
0: mandatory, but they, you do my gut sense that is it's not bishop's that authority. common actually. I mean, it's not uncommon, but I would say like, if I had to do over, yeah. under majority or minority, I would say minority yeah.
1: of oh, churches do it. Yeah. Well, I'd say one of the reasons is nobody's quite sure when it starts I mean, I've, I've gotten this uh, question a handful of times uh, already this year. So it, it's confusing because the legislation's changed, the calendar's changed, the lexicon has changed. It's so nobody's quite sure why, when to do it or why. Anyway, all right, here's another. And you mentioned these different uh, these different readings. I want to go to, uh, um, I guess, let's go to to the reading of the Passion on uh, Palm Sunday. Okay. okay, how is that different from the reading of the Passion on Good Friday. Right? Because you're gonna hear the reading of the Passion on Palm Sunday and on Good Friday. Mm. Well they do the participatory
0: thing on Good Friday. Could they do that on Sunday too?
1: Which is which yeah. is optional on, on on Good Friday and on on Palm Sunday.
0: Is it a different gospel? This is maybe a tricky
1: it is. Okay, what are the what uh, what is the source of the passion on Palm Sunday?
0: I don't know. I'm an ignorant fool.
1: You, no, no, you do know. You do know. What is it on the, uh, how, how do they arrange the the gospel readings normally on years?
0: Well, one person reads it? No, no, no. Oh, like Where do they take the text Years A, B, and C,
1: that kind A, of thing? B Yeah. Yeah. So on Palm Sunday, oh, it's right, still right. doing Matthew, Mark, Luke. And so in 2022, it's going to be the Passion According to St. Luke. But on Good Friday, it doesn't do that. It's always from St.
0: John. Ah, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I like so that. Oh, so the, it rotates between the other three, but then on Palm the Sunday, ones... ah. Good Friday is always oh, the same. Oh, right, because good, yeah, good Friday day. is Good ah, Friday is Good Friday, whether it's your A, B, or C, right?
1: Well, it is, and you know, usually they uh, there's a three year cycle, but for evangelists, and it's Saint John that's usually placed in these kind of privileged days and privileged seasons. So again, you know, I don't know if this is gonna you know, revolutionize your upcoming no, it will. celebration. Tell yourself sure. But I think the more, you know, what's, what's going on and you think, wait a second, I heard the reading of the passion last Sunday, but now it's different on this. For, what's going on here? Well, this is, this is what's uh, on the church's mind. So anyway, okay, let's, uh, here's another uh, factoid tidbit. There's something um, remarkable, I think noteworthy, uh, noteworthy about the music on Holy Thursday. And there's two principal Masses that take place on Holy Thursday. They are?
0: Mass of the Lord's Supper? The Mass of the Last Supper? Yes. And the other one is? The Mass of the First Supper? Ha! There can't be any other (laughs) Masses
1: or generally any other Masses on this day, but there's one huge one that that takes place uh, Holy Thursday morning.
0: The Oh, is it the uh chrism mass oh yeah okay yeah
1: yeah it's a chrism mass so those are the oh my goodness yeah good job jesse
0: hey so these are the two michael throw in a ding ding (laughs) bell for me right (laughs) there nice
1: uh really only masses but certainly the principal masses but they both have something unique about them that as far as i can tell no other single mass throughout the year has and they are that well, let's say your music director, uh, Dennis or Jesse, and you've got to pick the music for the, uh, let's say, the offertory. What are you going to sing for the offertory at these masses? How would you decide? Well,
0: isn't there an actual prescribed hymn on Holy Thursday? Bingo.
1: The... It's only these two masses. So do you remember what it is? Uh...
0: Ubicaritas? No. Is it
1: Ubicaritas? Yeah, Mass of the Lord's Supper. It's Ubicaritas for charity and love prevail. And you and I s- sang this uh, on a podcast uh, in one of the early years, the offertory hymn for the chrism mass. Oh, redeemer hear this anthem as we sing. Oh with, yeah. As I remember we, that. as we sing with one accord. Yeah. So you guys
0: practiced that for like an hour before. we recorded. <laughs> it ever. wasn't
1: that long now, uh, but I don't know. I, what do you, what do you make of that is it just sort of a quirk of the roman missal that on this day in these two masses unlike any other two masses they actually tell you what to sing as a as a, as a chant at the offertory again maybe you know you can make something where nothing is, but... Uh, well, doesn't every mess give you offertory and of funds? I mean, traditionally. Well, it does. Yeah, you, know, you can take stuff from the missal, from the graduale, simple... Gra- but this is different. This is, first of all, they're hymns, and they are sing this, not oh. here's eight choices for you to choose from, sing <laughs> this hymn. So, anyway, I think it's... Uh, you know, when we speak about... The missal is mostly antiphons, but there are occasion. are a handful of hymns. And here's two examples, and they both appear yeah. on this. Yeah, so on this sing day. this hymn, right?
0: That's mm-hmm. the rule.
1: All right, here's another one. I don't know what it's like where you all go to mass, but uh, at the... Right, so we haven't heard the gloria throughout Lent, unless there's a feast or a solemnity. So the Annunciation mm-hmm. or St. Joseph, those solemnities, do the gloria. Uh, but the gloria is sung at the Mass of the Lord's Supper. But what else happens during the singing of the Gloria, uh, depending bells. on where you are, no, what your local custom
0: is. It is? The, does it have to do with the lights or is that? No, I think Dennis. No, that's the Easter vigil. Did I hear you Dennis? The bell, yeah.
1: Maybe bells. Yeah. Yeah. The rubric for the mass of the Lord's supper is, uh, during the singing of the Gloria, according to local custom, bells on may Thursday. be rung. Huh. So yeah. On Holy Thursday. So during the Gloria, uh, either like the Sanctus, I think it's called the Sanctus bell that the server would ring, uh, prior to the, or during the Eucharistic prayer. Some parishes actually hand out little bells. Other parishes ring the, the bell tower bell at the same time. Do they do that, uh,
0: Jesse, at the parish? We do the, um, the bells, the, hand, the little hand, but mm-hmm. I don't know what it's called, but it's like a handle with, you know, five bells around That it. the server would usually ring during yeah, that leadership. Dennis? Yeah, You know, I haven't been to Easter here
1: on campus yet, so I don't know. Yeah, we'll see what they do. I actually find it kind of of very distracting (laughs) to be trying to sing the Gloria. You got these uh,
0: uh, kind of incongruous bells going on at the same time. Now, the thing that I used to hear was at the Easter vigil during the Gloria, they would ring the bells. And I think you've told me that's not – you're not supposed to do that.
1: No, you can do that. Oh, you can do it there? Uh, Yeah, I think you can. yeah, so that would be, but between those two times, the glory at the Mass of the Lord's Supper and the Gloria at the Easter Vigil, do you hear any bells? No. Okay, good. Ain't no bells. No bells are to be rung. No bell prizes. Jesse, so you
0: missed it. That's right.
1: <laughs> oh.
0: I was too worried about like, can we get some crickets after? Like <laughs> no. Instead of bells, we hear crickets. Dennis, I'll, I'll give
1: you some clapping, clapping. Because what do you hear when they elevate the host and the chalice sometimes?
0: Oh, the clickety-clack thing. Oh. The clickety-clapper-clacker. Oh, my gosh. That has a, a great <laughs> funny name, but I can't remember it. There's a name for that. What yeah. is it? What is it? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What is it?
1: Do I have to do everything on this podcast?
0: Yes, you do. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I would just called it a clacker. No, there's a funny name for
1: it. Yeah, I'm sure there is. So it's a thing you'd hold in your hand, and it has kind of a mallet that would that flips back and forth that it's not mm-hmm. called for in the in the current books, but some of these are still around. And actually, maybe other liturgy directors out there, if uh, there are any listening, uh, I get requests every year. Hey, do you have one of those clappers we can use uh, for, for Holy Thursday? Because you can't ring bells, so. Anyway, see, no, see, notice if there's a clapper or clacker, whatever it's
0: called. Yeah, it's a clacker. I thought it would have some kind of fancy Latin name, but apparently it's just called a clacker. It, it does. I just I just found this on Church Pop. Crotalus. Hmm, that was my guess. Or, or crotalus, <coughs> K- C-R-O-T-A-L-U-S. Huh. Oh, yeah, there crotalus, okay. Which means rattle. All right, there you go.
1: Okay, cool. All right, let's go to the next one. Let's do that. So at the end of the Mass of the Lord's Supper, You do this uh, procession uh, with the blessed sacrament, uh, not in a monstrance, but in a ciborium, and you end up at at another place, another chapel somewhere. And what are you supposed to do once you get there? I mean, you sing the tantum ergo, and the the priest puts down the ciborium and incenses it, and then there's a period of adoration. Do you know uh, that there's actually recommendations for what you ought to be doing or reading or praying? Do you know what they are? Yeah, this is, uh, um, comes from the, uh, there's a document called Paschalis Solemnitatis on the preparation and celebration of the Easter feast. And what I ask you to read and meditate upon is the Gospel of John uh, chapters 13 to 17, 13 to 17. And this is called sometimes the farewell discourse or the high priestly prayer. So we've, at the Mass of the Lord's Supper, you read about the institution of the Eucharist, not in the gospel, but in uh, St. Paul's uh, letter to the Corinthians, which uh, the experts say is the oldest, I don't know, record of uh, the mass of the Lord's Supper. Uh, but the gospel is from John and it's about the the mandate, uh, the washing of the feet,
0: hmm. but- So is that supposed to be read liturgically or is that just something you're supposed to read on your own no, privately or?
1: On your own, oh, on okay. your own. But yeah, I mean, so it's, it, 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 the, the church wants you to kind of stay in that upper room and meditating on the priesthood of Jesus and this discourse that he offers uh, at the Mass of the Lord's Supper. So hmm. anyway, if you've not ever done that before, try it this year. Bring your uh, your uh, book of the Gospels along with you and uh, read through, meditate upon uh, the high priestly prayer of Jesus and the Gospel of John chapters 13 through 17.
0: Okay, cool. cool. See, this could change our lives, right? Uh, you don't. Yeah, don't undersell yourself, because You're good. You're good. You're smart. Yeah. Yeah. Here's another one. If only we could get that document to say, listen to an episode of the liturgy, guys. I think <laughs> that would be equally as uh, enlightening. Yeah. yeah. Don't you know anybody in Rome, Jesse, you can call? Um, not yet. I don't know the big guy, but yeah. I think we'll meet soon. Yeah. Okay. All right. You bring that up when you see him. All
1: right. Let's go to Good Friday.
0: Uh, uh,
1: recall how Good Friday begins. So the priest and the deacon come out and they prostrate them in silence. They lay flat on the floor of the sanctuary and then they go to the chair. And what do they do when they get to the chair?
0: Uh, Crickets, Michael. Thank you. Uh, you (laughs) They, they throw the the chairs and they say, we "We don't need
1: these. No, it's um, what they do is the priest. He doesn't make the sign of the cross and he doesn't say, let us pray. And he doesn't even actually pray a collect. He prays one of those short prayers. It says, remember your mercies, Lord, so on and so forth. Uh, and then he gives the... You guys know, like at the collect, there's the long conclusion, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. But at the prayer over the uh, offerings and the prayer after communion, there's the short conclusion, through Christ our Lord, Amen. So, the first words out of the church's mouth on Good Friday is the priest at the chair without saying "Let us pray doing one of these kind of short prayers. And I guess the point that I think is worth noticing is actually go back to the end of the mass of the Lord's Supper. Do you remember how that ended? well it
0: doesn't it doesn't have like the final okay. blessing and so you know, we talked about this that it's one long liturgy, so I would assume. This is to imply or, or show that this is a continuation.
1: Yeah, I think it, I think it's helpful to, to, to think of the Triduum liturgies really as one liturgy that's stretched over three days. And, you know, the Mass of the Lord's Supper has no blessing and dismissal. The Good Friday liturgy has no uh, sign of the cross and greeting. The end of the Good Friday liturgy has no blessing and dismissal. It just kind of goes on for 72 hours, you know, in sort of these three different uh, stages. So... Anyway, I, I think uh, if to look at him as, as a unit like that is uh, is maybe helpful to uh, understand what's going on. Yeah. Try to- Love it. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. I got one more from Good Friday that I think is uh, noteworthy. This is, um, well, this is actually an addition to the third edition of the Roman Missal. And it uh, its genesis is from the ceremonial of bishops. And it's how- the bishop or the priest adores the cross. Do you remember talking about this one in the past? What mm-hmm. What is it, Jesse?
0: Um, they kiss. They kiss the cross, right? They can, but before they do that, well, you
1: might remember this. This is one of the readings on the Sundays of Lent. It was about the that whole burning bush uh, episode with Moses uh, in the desert. And Moses is curious to see what's going on. So he thinks, well, I'm gonna go over there and take a look. But what, what, what does the voice tell him?
0: Pay no attention to the man behind the
1: curtain. <laughs> No, it's a different translation. <laughs> oh, uh, right, where you are standing is holy ground. So remove your sandals. Mm. And so in the Roman Missal on Good Friday, it says, the priest may adore the cross after having removed his chasuble and his shoes. Mm. So uh, before kissing the cross, that's uh, what he would do. And the bishop could always do this. And now it's kind of devolves onto the priest to take
0: that option as well. Very cool. Uh, Dennis, I think we need a new album Disgallous adoration. adoration. I like it. I think that'd be. Yeah. I noticed that your big house there in the farm, Chris. Everybody <laughs> has to take off their shoes before they go in the kitchen. There, is that, is that, is that, it's like uh, the holy only. grounds or the kitchen. <laughs> oh, that's my. My, that's oh my! That's my. Okay. That's my house, Dennis. Yeah, There's that's a, Jesse's there are, house. There are rigid rules about oh that at man. my house.
1: We need rules like that. Anybody out there lives on a farm? You know, like the worst time of the year to live on a farm is March or April because it's muddy. And all the snow's melting. It's gooky. Oh, it's just, it is, uh, it's pretty nasty. Mm -hmm. Although, actually, um, the the listener doesn't know when (laughs) this podcast is recorded. But four lambs,
0: the first four lambs were born. uh, Liturgical lambs, yeah. You you let let the ram in there, however many... Months behind so that it can... Yep, so that these
1: lambs uh, show up on March 25th-ish, and uh, just like the Lamb of God, the year-old lamb uh, without blem- blemish. So. On the
0: Feast of Annunciation. Yeah, Man. bingo. Talk Great about stuff. liturgical living, you know, house, what domestic church, all that stuff. Mm. Get some lambs. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. They're also delicious. Okay. <laughs> this is
1: true. Okay, so on the, uh, let's go to the Easter vigil and what uh, the missal calls the lucernarium, which is the rites uh, outside the church. Uh, and I think they conclude with the Exultet. There are here some of the most remarkable sacramental signs that you can witness uh, throughout. The one of them, however, you won't see any longer in the uh, current books, although I suppose you could. Um, it's, it has to do with the lighting of the Easter fire. The lighting Why of the Easter fires. The, oh, is that
0: the flint thing?
1: It's the oh, flint man. thing. Right, so it, it it was on the books, and I suppose if you celebrate the Us Us Antiquior, it still is on the books, that the fire, the Easter fire, was to be struck with stone or flint. And I think, ah, I don't have the... the the, the former prayer would make allusion to this about this fla- this fire struck with stone. But I gather the genesis of this is Jesus is entombed in a in stone, in a, a, in a tomb uh, newly hewn from the rock. And this rock that had entombed Christ now becomes the, the spark of the new fiat lux that lights the fire. And then the fire will light... The, the living stone, the living, yeah, it'll become this this living stone. And mm-hmm. one of the other cool things that you might see, I think we're going to do this at St. Philip's this year. Is uh, we've talked about this before to 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 uh, get the thurible going. It says that coals from the fire are placed into the thurible, and then incense is added and blessed. So any uh, servers or acolytes out there know that on both days you have this conveniently pre-packaged self-lighting charcoals that just kind of ignite very nicely. But on this night, you're supposed to take, presumably, a shovel. Uh, have, have Lars not do this with us. You know, have to be careful about this. Uh, scoop out the coals from the fire and put them into the thurible. And then a similar thing that's kind of cool is that when the priest prepares the candle and he traces the cross and the alpha and the omega and the dates on there, what the missile says he does is he cuts into the candle with a stylus these things. And I've noticed that most candles already come sort of with little decorative stickers and things like that already stuck on there. But the missile actually wants the the priest to cut. And it's kind of like, uh, as far as I'm can tell it's, it's evocative of that sacramental character that where, where we are cut with, uh, by the Holy Spirit with the characteristics of Christ, which can never be lost or effaced right. or anything. So too, this candle, which is about to be remade into this uh, pillar of fire, right. which is Christ, is done by cutting and not simply putting stickers yeah, onto it.
0: And what's the candle made out of? None of your beeswax, uh, well, Chris. That's right. That's well, bad. you know, we talked last week about that's a Byzantine bad. church. They actually put a little spear in the side of the of the bread for the Eucharist, you know, or the, the Eucharist. So it's a similar thing. Here's this material mm-hmm. thing that's becoming the marker or the bearer of to enter into the same sacrifice. And, you know, we can't literally take Christ out of heaven and stab him and with his wounds, but we do it and enter into that reality in the form of this drama this mystery mystery drama
1: Mm
0: -hmm. awesome but hey but why don't we have flint anymore is that they just think it's too unwieldy to use stone yeah who knows because they know chris can light a match off his (laughs) beard and throw it into
1: the no, you keep the you keep the uh flames away from the beard but uh yeah i don't know you you know this dennis right and you too jesse that you know the they were they were interested in simplifying a great deal of the uh, accretions that, uh, as they call them, that, that uh, came to be a part of the mass and some of them needed to go. Uh, Others, maybe they're, maybe they're a little too eager in some instances, but there's no reason why the priest or the sacristan or whomever's in charge of the fire still can't. It just doesn't
0: specify it anymore, but you could certainly do it. Yeah.
1: It doesn't specify. So you could still do it. Yeah. Although I That's gather good. that it kind of became like a, I don't know, if minimalist is the right word. Is you just take your Zippo out because that had a flint in it. And you just light it with that, and that would uh, that would meet the uh, letter of the law. So anyway.
0: yeah, I imagine if you're outside on a windy night and you're trying to strike rock against rock and hoping the spark will land in the right place, like it's has got to be <laughs> kind of a pain. You know, it's hard enough to get the fire started anyway. Chris, do you know the difference between a, a hippo and a Zippo? No, Jesse. What's the
1: difference between a hippo and a
0: Zippo? Well, one is extremely heavy, and the other is a little lighter. Don't encourage him. <laughs> Boo, <laughs> Michael! Give us some booze. <laughs> That's that was for Katie Thornton right there. So, at the
1: Easter Vigil, at the Easter Vigil, this only happens if you go to Mass with the bishop, because it's not supposed to take place uh, at a Mass with a parish. But there's this thing called the, uh, what is it called? Like the Easter announcement, where the deacon, this is right before the uh, gospel, the deacon goes and he stands before the bishop and he says, or ideally sings, do you know what he, t- what he says to the bishop? He says, uh, I gotta look this up myself. Most reverend father, I bring you a message of great joy, the message of alleluia. And so uh, you could you can go on this, you want to see how they do it in Rome. And sure enough, the deacon comes around, and sings uh, right, to, right in front of the Pope Francis, sings uh, that, that very message of Alleluia. And then what happens next, and this should happen in each of the parishes, is on the Easter vigil, it says that the priest is the one who sings the Alleluia. The priest intones the Alleluia. No other time of the year, but this year, on this night, at this Mass, the priest is the one who intones the Alleluia. And the Missal has this sort of, i don't, well, I think it's a little complicated uh, version of the Alleluia. It's not that old Alleluia, Alleluia. It's, Isn't it one of like three different keys that goes yeah, up? Yeah, it's step supposed each to go time. up, that, uh, yeah. uh, I don't know, a step or half step each time. Alleluia. up a step and he does it again and he does it again. And then there's all these verses from Psalm 118. So it's, it's, uh, not obvious how this is actually supposed to take place. And so, um, you do end up watching, you know, mass from Rome about how they do it there, and see if you can't emulate it somehow. But yeah, the priest is supposed to sing this complex Alleluia himself that is uh, rises, it resurrects each time that uh,
0: he sings it. So, see. Do you know anything about the burying of the Alleluia, Chris? I see that on blogs. I've never done it, but. That Lent, they, like, bury a little picture of the alleluia uh, the ground. I knew more about it. I'm wondering if the yeah, deacon but... is, like, bringing it back for the first mm. time by saying, I bring you the message alleluia. It's like I right, suppose he probably Risen is, out of the ground. In some way. Yeah,
1: way. Yeah, I, 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 kn-
0: I know that they do that at at St. John Cantius, and I I would the be interested to see the, I, if they're still doing um, live streaming of some of those liturgies, we could check it out. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so before Lent, I don't remember on which day or which Sunday. Uh, those preparatory Sundays, the Alleluia is buried. But uh, yeah, I think that's a good, right way to look at it. It's kind of the resurrection of the Alleluia here going on. And the last thing uh, to, I don't know, quirky or not, but significant and meaningful is uh, at the Easter vigil, there are uh, general intercessions, universal prayer. And why this is noteworthy is I think in every single Mass that includes the litany of the saints, the universal prayer is omitted because the litany of the saints is sort of this interceding with the saints to God for the needs of the world. So if you do the litany of the saints, the missal always goes on to say the universal prayer is omitted, but not on this night, this seems the one exception. Mm -hmm. Do you know why? Why should you have both the litany of the saints and the universal prayer at the Easter vigil?
0: You. Uh, because you have newly baptized people. Bingo,
1: who until they had been baptized, you know, like twenty, you know, twenty minutes before this, were well. Could you not were do about, the inter- Yeah, you had yeah. talked about this, Dennis, about how you know, unless you're a priest, you're powerless to be able to offer sacrifice. But as soon as you're baptized you come to share in the priesthood of Jesus. So you have the, the right and the obligation to, to intercede. This is what a priest does. And so even though we've had the litany of the saints, uh, I think what the Missal says, in fact, is that the newly baptized participate in the universal prayer for the very first time, because now they're priests, newly minted priest, and they're gonna yeah. start to exercise that priesthood through the universal prayer. Which is prayer.
0: not only offering, but pleading, right? That's a priestly act <clears throat> as well as pleading. <clears throat> so that would be universal prayer. Bingo.
1: Anyway, so there's a handful of, uh, I don't know, small, but not entirely uh, insignificant things because each of these little, I don't know, details, God is in the, it's not the devil that's in the details. God is in the details and you get these right, you can understand them, you implement them, you notice them and it becomes a part of that sacramental exchange where grace comes to us and adoration goes to God.
0: And... Bonus, if you wanna learn a little bit more from Chris about the Easter mystery, you can take his online course, Celebrating the Easter Mystery at uh, liturgy.online. So check that out. Right. It's a good course, Chris. Thanks, Jesse. And your your book, the-
1: uh, Yeah, Devotional Journey into the Easter Mystery from Sophia mm-hmm. Press has a lot of this stuff and more. Which
0: really should be called a liturgical journey into the Easter.
1: <laughs> yes, I've heard that before, McNamara. Yeah, from me probably. All right. One day I'm going to do a liturgical journey into devotions. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: Man, that's good. Not that too many people understand one. that <laughs> distinction, but Liturgy Guy listeners do. And thank you, Liturgy Guy listeners. Yes, and thank you, thank Vicky you. Delaney, who sent me a package of goodies right before, on for Mardi Gras, and it arrived on Mardi Gras with pie crust and and beads and all kinds of fun. So I shared that with our architecture students. So thank you again, Superfan Vicki for that. All right, should we uh, should should we, should we should we do a liturgy? Yes, question? <laughs> yes, we should. And uh, <laughs> no more booze for you. Should we do a liturgy question? Should we do a liturgy question? Should we do a liturgy question? Yeah. <laughs> Moses, why do you question me? Why do you care? Today we have a similar debate
1: over this. Anyone know what this is, class? Anyone? In my case, sir, the question
0: is totally without meaning. I believe in you, Chris. Thanks, Dennis. <laughs> I believe in Eucharist as well. Oh. This week we have a question from Patrick. Patrick says, Hello, Liturgy guys, I enjoy your show.
1: Hello, Patrick. Hi,
0: Patrick. Chris, thanks for being on the ball. You're usually not, and Mm -hmm. I'm so thankful for that. Patrick says, unfortunately this year we will have nobody that will be initiated into the church by baptism or confirmation. What does the Easter vigil look like in those circumstances? Yeah, what do you Uh, not
1: do? Yeah, this is kind of a difficult question, actually, because there's three possible things that could happen. The Missal envisions um, blessing the font and baptizing people or blessing the font and not
0: bla- baptizing people, or not blessing the font at all. Well, why would you bless the font at all, if, even if you're baptizing? You're talking about blessing the water in the font or blessing the I font? Think that's, I think that's what they mean. Yeah. Okay. That third option, if the
1: font is not to be blessed and there's nobody to be baptized, I, it's my understanding that that applies, especially to say a chapel or a place where there really ain't no font like a seminary perhaps or a convent oh, or some religious order. Uh, maybe, a, I don't know. I suppose college chapels could have uh, baptismal fonts. But I, as I understand it, even if there's to be no one, uh, no one to be baptized, uh, the font is blessed and uh, you would just proceed that way. So what happens is uh, you do the, uh, the litany of the saints, Okay, just looking through the book here, Litany of the Saints, and then there's a blessing with uh, a blessing of the baptismal water. This long prayer where it talks about water in the economy of salvation, and then there's the possible uh, lowering of the candle into the uh, font. Okay, uh, and then there's the um, let's see, then there's the renewal. So it's at this point that you would have baptisms. Okay, but if you didn't have baptisms, then I think you would go right into the renewal of uh, baptismal uh, promises. Okay, do you renounce Satan? Uh, do you believe in God, the Father Almighty? And then there's the sprinkling with the uh, holy water while that uh, chant, Vidiaquam, or I saw water flowing from the temple. And after that, You'd go through the, you'd conclude with the universal prayer, and then go right into the liturgy of the Eucharist. So, if you don't have anybody for baptism or for confirmation, uh, litany of the saints, bless the holy water, renewal of baptismal promises, sprinkling, universal prayer, and then into the liturgy of the Eucharist. But again, this is not obvious, and I think uh, maybe there's possibly other legitimate reads but this is uh this is the one that seems to my mind to make the most sense out of the out of the rights
0: sounds good to me all right <laughs> patrick oh yeah sorry dennis do you have anything you wanted to add uh no you know what chris oh. it's so good to have you here you solve all my problems when i say i have no idea you have the answer in like 30 seconds that's great. <laughs> well that's why it takes three of us to pull off that's true <laughs> I didn't, And I didn't know this was a harder question than I thought it was in the beginning, so I learned something as well. So, Patrick, I hope this answers your question, and if you have a question for us, you can email us at questions at LiturgyGuys.com or tweet us at LiturgyGuys. Thank you and God bless.
1: Another episode of Liturgy Guys has mercifully
0: come to an end. Our hosts are Chris Get Out of My Dreams and Into My Carsons, Dennis Big McNamara, and Jesse Y-O-Y-O-Weiler. Our producers are Michael Don't Be So Coy and Nathan First Round Draft Pickman. Our Epiclesis Inspector is Isabel Ringing. Our Liturgical Bookkeeper is Miss L. Romano. Our Official Aerobics Instructor is Jen Uflect. Our Enforcer of Choral Discipline is Don B-Flat. Our Official Rubrics Interpreter is Dewey Neal. Our Self-Gift Provider is Kenosis. Our Simplicity Enforcer is Fran Siskin. And lastly, our Crack Team of Confessors is Dewey Shribum and Howe. And even though overstoles become understoles when they hear us say it, we are the The Liturgy Liturgy Guys. Guys.